Welcome to the Juggling Without Balls podcast. My name is Monica Parkin and I am your host. And every week on the show, I'm going to be talking to powerful, successful women who juggle it all. And when I say juggle it all, I mean everything. Kids, health, aged parents, careers, relationships, you name it, we're going to talk about it. So stick around, grab a cup of coffee, pull up a seat and enjoy the show. Hello jugglers and welcome to another episode. My guest today is Kim Christensen. Kim is the host of the Peaceful Productivity Podcast and a productivity coach who helps her clients get the results they want. She has been a busy chartered accountant and from that experience with perfectionism and burnout, she's been able to help her clients focus on the important things and let go of the unimportant. Really looking forward to this conversation today. Welcome, Kim. Thanks, Monica. I'm a fan of the podcast, so thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. And for those of you who didn't know, obviously you heard in the intro, but Kim also has her own podcast called Peaceful Productivity, and we're going to talk a little bit about that today. But before we dive into that, just was looking for a little bit of background. Like it's an interesting, you know, little niche you've chosen, Peaceful Productivity. It's pretty specific. What did you do before you? did this. What's your professional background? Yeah, I have what I'll call a checkered past as it applies to my professional career. And uh, what I mean by that is I didn't become a CPA, a chartered professional accountant until I was in my early 30s before I became a CPA. I spent some time teaching English overseas and then I was an emergency services dispatcher for a little while. So that 911 operator that you get on the other end of your phone. I did that for a little while. Wow. Very colorful past. I actually looked into that at one point and I decided that I could not multitask like that. I was in my early 20s and I went to an information session and I was like, no, I, my ADHD, I would for sure forget to send the ambulance to someone. I'd be dealing with another crisis and I wouldn't be able to focus that long. I don't think this career is for me, but I'm impressed that you've, it's a very uh, diverse set of skills you've got there. Yeah. Yeah. It's, that was a fascinating role for me. Like you said, I learned a lot about focus and getting things done. And I think maybe that's what kind of spurred me on to, to get more into productivity. But what I did is I ended up becoming an accountant. I did a little bit of time in public accounting at KPMG before moving on to corporate and working in accounting and management for 14 years. So I've just recently retired from corporate to work full-time in my coaching business. Wow. Yeah. So from this kind of high-stress multitasking job into accounting, where I would think that you can really dig into a project and take your time and go through things, what prompted that shift? And how did those things lead you to where you are now? Like, were you just retired? Did you want to actually make that not retire, but move on to this as a new career, like chicken or the egg, I guess. is. Yeah, it's interesting. On the surface, they look to be very different. But I've always been someone who really geeks out on organization and process improvement. And also coupled with that, I I have a love of self-development and challenging myself to learn and grow in new ways. So I've always really pursued big goals. But there is a very much a symmetry between dispatching in high stress situations and accounting in terms of 
process and getting things done, not just efficiently, but effectively. I think that's maybe what the one thing I took away from 911 is that you really learn how to focus on what's most important because it's critical to understand that there's life and death situations at stake there. Yeah, it's almost like triaging in an emergency room, right? If you've got multiple calls coming in, you really have to decide which one needs my attention first and and what do I do with the other ones? And there's that whole process. And on a less urgent scale, even in accounting, there's still that need to prioritize and triage tasks and priorities and things like that. Yes, exactly. Yeah, the theme there is the focus on effectiveness. The efficiency is important, but it's efficiency on those things that are valuable, that are most important. So 911 taught me that, but accounting also taught me the importance of process and getting things done efficiently, but getting the most important things done efficiently. So I guess that's how it marries up with productivity. So that segues into my next question. So obviously you're now a productivity coach and you've got the podcast that we mentioned called Peaceful Productivity, which by the way, if you haven't checked it out, you should. I I listened to the first two episodes and I really got a lot out of it. Like I said, most people don't just fall into that line of work. So obviously you were inspired by these two jobs and probably other things in life. Do you have a story behind this or was there a tipping point moment where you said, this is what I want to do? Or was it a gradual evolution. This is an area of interest. How did that transformation happen for you? Yeah, it's interesting. The journey, the path was that, like I said, I always geeked out on organization and process improvement and pursuing big goals was also always really important to me. I was brought up with a really strong work ethic. And so in 2010, I became a team leader, which I loved. I discovered a passion not just for numbers, but also for people and helping them to achieve their goals as well. And as my success grew, my responsibility grew, my stress levels also grew in conjunction with that. And so much so that in 2017, I experienced a stress-related burnout. And so I left work for a short period of time to recover de-stress from all of that. And that was great. But when I returned to work, the stress came back. Mm -hmm. And so the interesting thing that I realized through that is that stress was being created by my brain, by my mind, obviously. But it was really what sparked me to go and find a coach. And it was the tools that I learned through coaching around stress management that actually led to me decreasing not just my stress, but increasing my productivity, which was fascinating because a lot of the times we think that productivity and stress go hand in hand. And what I discovered is that as my stress went down, my productivity went up. So much so that I was able to do things like lose weight, stop drinking to relax, exercise. I got it not just one promotion, I got two promotions and then I started my own business on the side. So I was actually doing the same work, but with a different mindset that allowed me to increase my productivity. And so I learned that as I became less stressed, more productive, I also became more engaged and my work became more enjoyable as a result. So all of that inspired me to 
become a coach and help others learn the same tools so that they yeah. could enjoy their work too. Yeah. What a win-win, right? You're yeah. reducing your stress level, you're increasing your productivity. I can almost see the scales tipping when you're talking about it, right? Like it's just the, the balance is, is changing. And then I can see how that would completely, totally motivate you to want more of that. And then when you get in that space, I think it's natural to want to help other people to get in that space. And so I would think coaching would just naturally follow. You've developed all these skills. Now you want to go and share them. You want other people to have this kind of mindfulness that you've managed to achieve. Exactly. Exactly. Wonderful. So peaceful productivity, that's the name of your podcast. How would you define peaceful productivity? I think you've already explained it a little bit, but do you want to elaborate on that a little bit? Yeah, for sure. The productivity by itself can have both a negative and a positive connotation, I think. If you're talking to a lot of people, some people view it uh, as a very boring concept, like a very manufacturing, systematic type of thing. At best, I think people feel like it's the feeling of accomplishment. I think the common theme through all of the people that I've talked to is productivity is really about getting things done. And so I like to differentiate peaceful productivity from regular productivity in that peaceful productivity is the way we get things done. So getting things done without the stress for sure, but also incorporating the feelings of accomplishment and fulfillment and enjoyment in the process of getting things done. Because when we focus on just getting things done, productivity by itself, we tend to just focus on the destination. Once we get through the task list, once we get all the things done, then we can enjoy the feeling of accomplishment and we can relax. But the problem with that is that there's no end to that list of things that we're doing. If you're anything like me, the task list just gets longer. It never gets shorter. So we're always waiting to enjoy that feeling of accomplishment. So for me, how I define peaceful productivity, it's about creating those feelings in the process, not just at the destination. Yeah. Because otherwise you just, you hit the goalpost and you're just running for the next goalpost. There's no time to stop and celebrate and go, oh my gosh, I got that done because now here's the next thing. So what you're talking about is all along the way, actually celebrating and enjoying the sense of accomplishment of the process of doing rather than just, oh, I got to the finish line. What's next? Yes. Exactly. Exactly. Very cool. Yeah. I like that. In terms of your coaching practice now, because this is what you do as you coach on peaceful productivity, like who is your ideal client? Is it someone that's drowning in work or is it someone that's maybe already started to make some changes and they just need some little tweaks? Like who is that person? Is it a corporate person? Is it a self-employed person? Who is that client or who are you seeing in your demographic? Yeah, definitely. I work with people who are overwhelmed by their workload regardless of whether they're in corporate or entrepreneur, I tend to work with a lot of really smart, successful women who are high achievers. And they've reached a stage in their career where they've achieved a certain amount of success. And they're finding that it's becoming more and more difficult to balance that career success with their busy personal life. So they tend to be accountants, probably because of my background and entrepreneurs. They're very productive and successful already. So it's not just about time management techniques. It's also helping them because they're feeling stressed out and unfulfilled 
a lot of the times. So they're feeling like they're, they have this decision, what I was describing in terms of my own journey, this decision, do I continue to go after the career success and the goals or do I cut back and sacrifice some of my goals to focus on personal because they feel like they can't have both basically. Yeah. And so what you're helping them to do is to actually have both, but to have them both in a way that they can manage it and engage and be enjoy both of those things, right? That's right. Yes. Yeah. It's interesting when I had Danielle Dobson on, we were talking about the gender code. And one of the things I found most interesting, she said, is that one of the things women will do is the more overwhelmed, the more bogged down they get, the harder they'll work. So instead of saying, whoa, I need to step back and figure this out, we'll actually just dig in deeper and harder and work more to try to get on top of it. And as you're doing that, it's this never ending pile that you never dig out of rather than the logical thing, which would be to go, what can I let go of? Or how can I improve this process? We don't. Instead, we actually work harder. And I I was talking about this phenomenon with someone the other day, when I have a week off, I get nothing done because I just don't want to do anything. But when I've got a whole bunch of stuff to do, I actually get a lot more done because I have this sense of urgency. If I don't get this done, then I won't get that done. Then I won't get that done. And I'm running around in a frenzy as opposed to maybe spacing all that stuff out in a manageable way. It's this, oh my gosh, I got this huge list. It's going to spur me to work harder. It's just, I don't even know how that applies, but it's just this interesting thing that happens in our brain that I found really fascinating. Totally. I agree with that. There's, it's a vicious cycle almost where the more overwhelmed we feel, the more we're likely to respond either through what I call the freeze or the frantic response. Yeah. And I think like your previous um, speaker, I think that frantic is where we default as women. We want to be productive. We want to get all the things done. We want to take care of everyone. And so what frantic looks like is, to your point, we're taking more and more things on. And we become more reactive, less strategic, and less likely to make those decisions, those strategic decisions about what's important and what's not. It just all becomes important at that point in time. Yeah. And every decision is a reactive decision. Every decision is fueled by adrenaline. So along these same lines, I saw this Facebook post the other day about someone who said, I just came back from a two-week holiday. I'm absolutely dreading going back to work. I have a knot in my stomach. I don't want to go back to work. I know it's going to be out of control. I'm going from total peace to total insanity. Does it have to be that way? Or is there another way? Can it be different? Yeah. It reminds me of a time when I was working in emergency services. There was this club that people had and it was the retirement club. And so people were spending their pretty much their entire career lives just working towards this time when they could join the retirement club which meant that they could meet on weekdays for coffee with their previous colleagues and just enjoy their time off. And I think that concept is really pervasive. Waiting for retirement, living for the weekend or your next vacation. And I think that we've gotten into this mindset where work, our perspective on work is that work is hard. It's tedious at best, stressful, And personal time is our time for fun and enjoyment. And I think this this gets reinforced when we start to believe that we don't have any choice around our work. 
And I'll catch myself often saying things like, I have to go to work. I don't have any choice. I have to make money. I have to pay the bills. So it all feeds into this idea that we don't really have a lot of choice. And the more I tell myself that, the more it reinforces that belief for me. The self-fulfilling prophecy. Yeah. So I know that for me, I cause myself a lot of stress when I feel like I don't have that choice. And so the opportunity or the strategy that helps me is to remind myself that I always have a choice. Even if it's something as simple as, what am I going to do today? What am I going to focus on today? Or what am I going to focus on even for the next hour? We always have a choice in that moment, but we forget that. And then of course, when we we forget, we reinforce the idea that we don't have a choice, which then self-perpetuating cycle. Exactly. Yeah, we go back to that default behavior. Yeah. And very much about mindset. And for me, some days it's I get to go to this job and I, I get to take an hour off in the middle of the day and go for a walk or whatever, as opposed to I have to, I have to, I have to, I try to turn it into I get to, or I choose to today or whatever. Totally. Yeah. I do love that strategy though, in terms of switching from the I have to to the I choose to. Yeah. Because it it does feel very empowering when you are telling yourself, even in your own brain, that you're you to your point, you get to or you're choosing to do whatever that next action is. Yeah. It's very empowering. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, for sure. Now, you talk about the cost of productivity. Can you elaborate a little bit more on that, like the negative side of productivity? Yeah, I think when we focus on productivity just for the sake of productivity, like the feeling of getting things done, that feeling of accomplishment feels really good, but it can come at a cost when that's the only goal. Because the the cost... I think there's two things there. One is that we mentioned earlier that never comes. We never give ourselves the opportunity to celebrate or feel that feeling of accomplishment. We never feel like we've quite done enough to deserve that. And then we also get into this habit of deprioritizing ourselves, I feel like, in terms of taking care of the needs of our family, our work, our colleagues, our teams. I think we can fall into what I call a habit of putting ourselves at the bottom of the priority list. And then what happens is we know that we should be taking some time for ourselves, those should thoughts. And when we're not, then that just becomes another have to on the task list that we're not necessarily doing. So it becomes a bit of a source of guilt. Yeah. Self-care actually becomes a source of guilt. Well, I haven't done something nice for myself today. And it's interesting too. This, I feel like it's shifted lately. It used to be a really cool thing 10, 15 years ago to say, I'm so busy. It's like a badge of honor. And you just don't hear that as much anymore. It's becoming less of a cool word now. It's it's actually more more cool to say, I'm finding a little bit of balance or I'm finding some harmony or I made some time for myself. I actually heard someone say, you know what? I will never find the balance. There's no such thing as balance, but I found the harmony. I've, I've managed to find the harmony, which I thought was a very honest way to say it isn't actually a balance. One's outweigh the other one on certain days, but I've managed to find the harmony. And I really liked that the way that she phrased that. I love that. I like the idea of things working together because 
I think balance might suggest an equal amount of time spent on personal uh, versus work. Whereas harmony is what I'm more talking about with peaceful productivity in terms of like them bleeding into each other in a harmonious way. I've got like this visual of waves working together, basically. More of an orchestra. Yes. Yes. I love that. Yeah. Wonderful. So we were just talking about this, the cost of waiting for vacation or retirement to enjoy your life. I you might have heard this and we were in, we're in Toastmasters together and you might have heard the speech where I had a mentor who worked really hard right up until retirement. She was so excited. She was going to go on cruises. She was going to take vacations. And literally within a year of leaving, she got dementia. And two years later, she was gone. Like she never got to enjoy that time. And so it seems to me that that's, there is a cost to waiting too, right? Like you think I'll be able to do this when I'm this age or this age and you make all these plans. But what if you don't get that time? The cost is that you're losing time now. And so how do you help your clients find that time now without having to wait, without waiting for this invisible goal mark at 60 or 70 or whatever it is? Yeah, absolutely. I see that so often. We're waiting until retirement, to your point, or some other finish line to start to really enjoy our lives and relax. and. I think we are robbing ourselves, not just of the opportunity to live in the moment, but we're robbing ourselves of our own life experience, basically. And so I feel like that's a real tragedy. And I think that people, myself included, might not realize that there is the possibility of enjoying the moment, enjoying what you're doing right now, enjoying your work. I think it's so pervasive in our culture that work is meant to be stressful and toil and and effort that we forget that we can actually take pleasure and enjoyment out of that work. And so really what I help my clients do is to reconnect with themselves and understanding that they do have choice and agency in a given situation and reconnect with what it is that they really want so that they can tap into that desire. I like to think about desire as the guide to our goals are our guide to the desire and the desire is the guide to our goals. And really what that's meant to do is pull us in the direction of where we're supposed to be. And so connecting back with ourselves and back to that desire and being able to tap into that does create more purpose, more enjoyment in what you're doing in the moment rather than waiting for that to arrive later on. Yeah. We're letting that be our compass, right? Yes. Yeah. Wonderful. Now, different personality types, do they have a different approach? Like I'm this ADHD, I'll hyperfixate on a certain idea for six or eight weeks and then I'll be like, oh, okay, now I'm on to the next thing. Where it's say my daughter likes to dive deep into something and stay there and and go into a deep focus with like different personality types. Do we need a different approach to finding that sort of harmony, that peaceful productivity? I think it does go back to perspective. And I think perspective is available to everyone, no matter what their sort of personality, talent, strengths, values are. I think that just by managing perspective, we can create feelings of peaceful productivity. And I think that's available to everyone. 
I also think that it is helpful to understand our own limitations. So for myself, I tend to overestimate what I can accomplish in any given time frame. So I use this knowledge of myself, like much like what you do with um, managing ADHD. I use the knowledge of what I'm capable of and my limitations to set me up for success. So when I create a plan for the day... I know that I'm more likely to try and cram as much into that day as possible. So I'll accommodate that by creating a more flexible plan for myself. And do you, like a lot of you are talking about time blocking. Do you block periods into your day to catch up on things or to make personal calls? Or I tend to have a little bit of a chaotic day. I just wing it and it'll go how it goes. And obviously doesn't always go so great. But in terms of your time, do you actually schedule your day in time blocks or do you more more task orientated? What's your personal approach to your own day? I like to block time for myself. I use my calendar as my task list. I find that my task list, it's got a couple of downsides to it. It, it can get really long and I can I can quickly overestimate what I can accomplish in a day when I just work off a task list. So by putting things into my calendar, it gives me a more reasonable expectation of what I can accomplish. I also block time. The very first thing I do is I block time for things that I call self and self-care I find can be really overused. But for me, it just means things that energize me rather than deplete me. So I, that's my number one priority is blocking time for that. And then second of all, blocking time for focus time. I am a morning person. So I find that the neurons are firing best when it's the morning time. So I'll tend to block off time for that, for the more complex work that I'm supposed to be doing. Interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm the opposite. I'm the nighttime person. So if I have a big project or something or a presentation to do, I'll work on that in the evening. But morning is when my mind is quietest. So if I'm going to meditate, if I'm going to journal, if I'm going to have a deep conversation with someone, anything like that, I'll schedule that in the morning because that's when my my mind is quiet and still and it's open to, to just these letting ideas flow in a different way. If I want to really dig in and be super creative, then I'll do that in the evening. I love that you said the word flow. And I think that's really contingent on what you said about self-awareness, knowing yourself really well, what works best for you what your focus times are and what your quiet times are. I think you're using that to your best advantage to create flow. Yeah. Amazing. Took a few years to learn that. In terms of when you're meeting with a client, like how does that work? Do you have an initial consult where you talk about what's going on for someone right now, what their goals are, where they want to be? And then is it an ongoing process? Do you meet weekly? Like how do you do Obviously, you've been an accountant and you work with a lot of accountants. So you understand what their flow in their day and their challenges are like. But what does that process look like for someone who's looking at hiring a productivity coach or they want some help with bringing some more harmony and some more peaceful productivity into you know their work or their personal life or both? Yeah, thank you for asking that. That's an interesting question because I tend to attract two groups of people. One is those people who are really interested in time management and the tools and the skills there. And then there's the other group, which are more interested in creating some peaceful productivity in terms of connecting back with themselves and what works best for them and and how to take care of themselves. So in order to accommodate both groups, I offer a free strategy session. 
And in that strategy session, we just take a look at where they're at in this current moment, what their goals are, where they want to be. And then we identify the obstacles in terms of getting from here to there and come up with a strategy that works best for them. If they're interested in creating peaceful productivity and developing that connection with themselves, they may be interested in the private coaching program, which is a 12-week weekly program. If they're more interested in a self-initiated program around time management tools, then I offer them the membership program. Okay. So you've got two different things going on. Yeah. And then do you do seminars or workshops or things like that? I do. Through the membership, we do events two, one to two times per week. And then they also have the opportunity for private coaching within the membership too. It's not guided. It's very situational coaching, right. but they have lots of opportunity to go and, and do the learning on their own pace with what works best. Okay. And now if we were to leave our, our listeners with a couple tips, they're not sure if they're ready to go there yet, but they just want a couple tips to to help them find a little more peaceful productivity, a little more harmony in their day. What would be the top two or three things that you would tell them to begin? Yeah. My three favorite strategies are choose, plan, and do. So choose. We talked about the remembering that you have a choice. And my exercise for doing this, my favorite exercise, is taking your current task list and applying a new lens to it. So typically we look at this, I have to do this, I have to do that, I have to do that. And much shifting from the I have to space to the I choose to space, I encourage people to do the same exercise, look at their task list through that lens of, I want to do this because X, Y, and Z. And what that creates is two things. One, it taps into their desire, why they even wanted to do it in the first place. And two, it can help reveal those things that you're doing just because you think that you're supposed to be doing them. So when you can't come up with a reason why you want to do something, then that's maybe a good indicator that maybe this isn't something that you need to be doing. Maybe this is something you can actually let go. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Nice. Yeah. So that's the first one. The second one is around planning. And I think my favorite tip here is for those who are overworking to create a limit for themselves in terms of when they're going to leave work. Because what they'll do is they might have like an operating agenda and they'll say, oh yeah, I'm going to leave at four, five, six, seven, whatever that looks like for them. But then of course, when that time sneaks up on them, they're like, oh, but one more thing, one more thing. At least this is how I used to operate. And so having a non-negotiable deadline in terms of when you're going to finish work can help you to get more focused throughout the day because you're, it's not an option for you to extend your day, basically. Interesting. And I think this is something a lot of people have been dealing with through COVID. I know in a past guest said when she used to go to the office every day, it was nine and at five, her assistant would leave. She'd lock the door. She knew she had to be home. The kids are waiting at home for her. The sitter was leaving. There was a clear end to her day. When COVID happened and she had to work from home, five o'clock would bleed into six o'clock. Six o'clock would bleed into seven o'clock. Well, I'm already working on this. I'll just go a couple more hours. And she said she found it really hard to actually end the day because she didn't have, she didn't have the assistant locking the door. She didn't have the sitter waiting at home saying, you got to get here. And she said she really struggled with that, with working from home, finding a way to actually definitively end that day. Yeah. I hear that a lot. Yeah. There's those those cues that are 
built into that environment that prompt you to like actually get up and leave. And so it does take some intention to actually create those for yourself, especially when you're working from home. But it is totally possible to shut it all down. Yeah. And so maybe you're actually finding new cues at home to create that do the same thing that that the locking of the office door or whatever. But now you're having different cues in your home environment that tell your brain like it's time to it's time to quit to shut her down. Stop it. Exactly. Yes. And then the last one is do choose plan and do the final strategy is what I call the 10 minute rule. And I don't know if I created this or if I adopted it from somewhere, but it's pretty basic. It's when you don't feel like doing something. So if I have a planned task in my calendar and I tell myself that for me, it's always, I'll get to it in a moment. I just want to finish this other thing first. What I'll tell myself, the 10 minute rule is I'll just do it for 10 minutes and then, but I'll still give myself the choice whether or not I want to continue or not. And I think that element of choice is really important because when we force ourselves to do it through willpower, we know that willpower is a non-renewable resource. It gets exhausted. So having that element of choice removes the willpower. And then of course, you're nodding. So I can see that that motivation often follows starting. So once we get started doing something, once I start running on the treadmill or whatever, I find more often than not, I just want to keep going basically. Yeah. So, And I was nodding because I was thinking of how well that works in reverse. This year, I've actually given up sugar this year. I haven't had sugar for 15 months or something like that. But I do it like one moment at a time. So I don't, I just say, I'm just not going to have it for an hour. And if I want it at the end of the hour, I'll go have it. And then I get to the end of that hour and I go, you know what? What's one more hour? Really? I've just done an hour. What's one more hour? And it's the same thing as that 10 minute rule, which in that you're just, you're leaving yourself a choice. You're, you're putting a little short time frame on it. At the end of it, if you choose something, if you don't, but once you get into that time frame, then it's really easy to roll into the next. And, and the same thing with the 10 minute rule. I'll just work on this project for 10 minutes. And then at the end of 10 minutes, I'm actually starting to enjoy it now. I think I'll do another 10 minutes. Yeah. yeah I love that. You said that managing urges is the exact same thing in inverse. So 10 minute rule, when you don't want to do something, 10 minute rule when you do want to do something that you don't want to do. <laughs> yeah. If last July I had said, I'm not going to eat sugar for 15 months, I would have said, forget it. This is too hard. I can't do it. But I could totally not eat it for an hour. Like it's not a big deal. And then one hour turns into two, and a day turns into two days, and that turns into a week. And here I am. And it just didn't seem like, like it was that hard. I can totally see how that third rule there is a really powerful thing to, to implement, to put into practice. So awesome. uh, that's fantastic. Do you have uh, anything coming up that I want to tell listeners about or where they can find you? I'm going to put all your links and everything in the show notes too, as well as a link to your podcast. But do you have any events coming up? Yeah, we do tend to host weekly events in the membership. Like I said, so as new things become available, I post them on my website. So nothing specific to the public, but definitely lots of opportunities within the membership. Okay. And what is the website address? If people want to go find it, they don't want to dig through my show notes. It's financialwellnesscoach.ca. Wonderful. Awesome. Thank you so much, Kim, for a great conversation today. It's just been a pleasure. And Kim and I have just gotten to know each other over the last year and she does these great little presentations on productivity and she's got a great little podcast. And I thought, man, she make a great guest. And I was right. You did make a wonderful guest. So thank you for joining me today. Awesome. Thank you, Monica. I really appreciate it. 
That's it for this week. To get more information on any of my guests or to book me as a speaker at your next event, please visit jugglingwithoutballs.ca. And you would totally make my day if you left me a review or you sent me an email at monica at jugglingwithoutballs.ca and let me know what you got out of this week's episode. I'm hoping to read some of those reviews and some of those emails on future episodes. Have a great week, jugglers. 